And we decided to go. I was crying. It was it was very hard. I was touching walls of my, in my flat, and I talked to my flowers, and I didn't want to leave. They were thrown away from their beautiful garden and put into different garden, and they need to put the roots there, and that takes time and support. Happy Christmas, Christmas week. week! Shit, it is! Ooh! I know. Christmas has done us a fucking bad one by landing on a Sunday. Why? Because you just took like I was trying my mum was like, when are you well, she's like, when are you coming home for Christmas? And it was like, you know, you want to go and like whatever. But because it's a normal working week, you know, Friday yeah. till Friday till Friday. Yeah. Like Friday the 23rd. Then Christmas Eve's on a Saturday, Christmas Day's on a Sunday. So it's like, you don't really get any time off for it. Oh, yeah. When you get the extra time off, it's just slotted into a weekend. Oh, sh- I hadn't even... Do you know what? I don't even know what day Christmas Day is on. How bad is that? And we're like, almost there. Sunday. I feel, oh, yeah, yeah, I've just told oh, that's you. that's like a week yeah, away. Yeah, it's next week. It's this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not good, Al. I haven't got any Christmas presents Me and neither. everybody's on strike. And I've, I've fucked it. I've fucked it. Do you know what I've Dave and I did? We were like, it. right, what are we going to do for Christmas? We're like, we don't, you know let's keep it small we'll set a 20 pound limit and let's do a random letter generator online to like come up with the letter of the present that you have to buy so dave got q lol and i've got v so that's fun so you've got to get him something for 10 pounds for 20 pounds or less beginning with v i actually bought him a little house plant called Vinny. Okay, two things. First of all, I love the assuredness that you can say on this podcast what you've got Dave for Christmas and you just know he won't listen to it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. The element of surprise is still very much intact. <laughs> and B, you can't just like call the thing. Like it has to it's like playing I spy with a child. It's just like like I spy <laughs> like something beginning like you have to like beginning with how do you oh my god I was just like what how do you say why and then I was like yeah yeah I was like what's yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) my brain I was like what's yeah Um, why like it'd be like yellow bus you know when you actually mean bus I mean we didn't have to you've just called it that you just called it something (laughs) beginning with V to make it fit your criteria smart whatever whatever I was proud of it I was proud of it until I, I mean the only other thing I thought of before that was vagina which obviously isn't like you could gift wrap your like what begins with v vagina i don't know like what begins with v so i thought that Viagra. was really good <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said <laughs> <laughs> happy christmas it's a raging hard on um, oh. oh wow <laughs> wow um, all right um, well that, that should be in the, the trailer of this episode <laughs> <laughs> Happy Christmas is a raging hard on. Okay, Al. Right. Let's, okay. Let's get into it. Tell me something good, something bad, something awkward. Pick, 
I mean, I, I think our goods are going to be the same. Oh, yeah. I mean, people are going to be bored of us banging on about it, but do we give a shit? No. Yeah. We had a really nice lunch on Monday. That's my good. <laughs> no, just kidding. Mine wasn't even that good. I had so much pepper in it. Do you remember? Yours wasn't that good, but like, I don't think it was like, it was like a really weird taste to it. I know. You a mac know. and cheese and, and you're like, it's too peppery. And it was, it was too something, but maybe it was pepper. I don't know. It just it tasted really weird. Pepper. Anyway. Really weird. That was anyway, not good. No, that was not the good. The good is that we had our live show. And people came. And people came. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean... We talked about it on the stage, so you've yeah. probably heard it if you've listened to the Is It Just Me? But I cannot tell you the extent of the spiral that we went down before that day. I mean, that whole day. It was a bad, bad day. It, it was a bad morning, wasn't it? Really bad, bad morning. Yeah, I honestly, I could have, like, if I could have reached you, I would have, I would have slapped you just for your, like, you, it was so doom and gloom. I was like, ow, please give me something. When you were like, I don't think I can make it. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> you don't think you can make it? I was like, please just try. You were so defeatist. You're like, no, there's no trains. Can't make it. I was like, what? No. I said, I'm worried about how I'm going to make it. I was calling taxi, taxi, because I was like, I was just calling taxis because I was like, can anyone get me in? Because I don't know how I'm going to get in. There are no trains. I don't have I don't, a car. I was literally like, can I come and get you? Oh my God, so funny. What, what a morning. I was minutes away from saying, Em, you're going to have to come drive here and get me. Um, it was bad. It was it was, it was was bad times. I was just like, no one's going to turn up. Like, it's well, the first day of snow in Britain. Like, who's going to turn up? You know, mm-hmm. like, we are thrown into chaos with the slightest bit of strikes. snow. And it was a good bit of snow. And we had strikes. Oh, my God. What a day. I still cannot believe that people came. And we were getting DMs throughout the day being like, hey, can I have a refund? Like, hey, can't make it because of the snow. Hey, does anyone want my tickets? And we were just like, stop, stop. Oh my God, stop. (laughs) It was so bad. We were like sitting in the venue, like with the lights on, just these messages, just like people dropping like flies. And then even my mum was going to bring her friend. And I was a bit like, oh, like, don't, you don't have to bring your friend. Like, I think mum was like trying to fill up, fill, fill up the numbers at the beginning. And I was like, don't worry, like we're actually oversubscribed. And so I was kind of like, whatever, take or leave the friend. And then mum rung me and was just like, so my friend can't come. And I was like, what? Even the people that I could have what? taken or left can't come. I was so upset. <laughs> oh, well. Honestly, my heart, every time... Like, it was either my sister or Amy or someone from a management team would message to be like, oh, we've had another two dropouts. And I was like, oh, no, my God. Not big enough for this. This is so embarrassing. It's going to be us sat on a stage with, like, three people at the very front. And it's going to be dire. Please. Oh and when we went backstage beforehand, it was just like, the like... Our, our, our loved ones were coming in they were like there are people out there we were like count them <laughs> count them how many people yeah. are there <laughs> they were coming back literally with with head counts and we were like okay fine okay fine okay fine there's people um, there's people it's fine yeah, that was, absolutely, that was like we absolutely catastrophized the shit out of that but wouldn't have had it mm, any other way mm. and it was super fun no. and yeah, yeah I mean a roller coaster. but I feel like the agony of the day like made the whole night even better 100 agree because it was a relief to get there it was a relief to see people and bums on seats it was such a relief i thought my sisters weren't going to make it they literally made it with like two they minutes to go didn't they dramatic and they 
they ran backstage and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to cry because I was just so happy to see them. Oh my God, it was, yeah, it was... And we're talking about it was backstage like it's some like glamorous... I mean, there were <laughs> numerous oh. rats sharing that space with us. Oh, it was, oh, fully. Honestly, when, we, when we've got these like cool photos of us like sitting on the stairs, I'm like, we were sitting in rat, rat shit, like no doubt. Oh yeah, it was sinister oh, yeah. as shit. Originally, you were getting your hair done, and Jenny, manager Jenny, was like, "Come on, come, come, come! We have to go back. You have to go like backstage now." And it was like, "Okay, okay, okay cool." And then we got in the room, and it was literally like, "Have you brought me here to kill me?" Like I had no phone signal. I was put in this room <laughs> alone. All my friends and family, like everybody, was outside in the warm room with my great playlist. And I was sitting, I was like, why am I being punished? What's happening? And I had no signal to ask for anything. There's no um, Lou. I was like, what's happening? It was a very odd space. Very odd. Genevieve, my sister, went to see you, came back out. She was like pissing herself. She was like, it's so funny. Em's just like so confused. Like, why am I here? What am I doing? It was a sinking room. It looked like a prison cell. I was like, someone's been kept captive in here. Hands there was down. also half a mannequin, the bottom half of a mannequin. Yeah, with a crop. My mum got right in there. Did you see that when she walked in? She was like, "Ooh, look!" and really fondled the bits. I was like, "Why have you done Did this?" She? Yeah, she was like, "Ooh, bits!" I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Put them down. <laughs> Lol. Oh, it was such a fun yeah. day. It was such a fun day. So fun. Mum drew a dick so, on my so, suit. So I had a sequin suit, and Mum drew a knob on it. Just before we went out. She did. That. that was excellent. Oh, it was just so fun. We didn't show that on stage, no, actually. No, I meant we should have to. Done that. Yeah. And then I just thought, oh, God, anyone that has seen it just <laughs> thinks it's a sad accident or an unfortunate coincidence. Yeah, my sister came up on the stage and she told us her story. God, she's so funny. Uh, it was just, oh, my God. She's so she's funny. so funny. I texted her the next day and said, you, like, the people expect you now. Yeah. When we do a tour, which I'm putting out there, we are doing. Yeah. She is coming with us and she has to do like a bit, a story every single night because she was Luckily brilliant. for us, she's the most awkward individual that's ever walked the earth. So she's got loads <laughs> of those stories. And um, because she's Gen Z and has like three three jobs rather than one, she, she's, she works so like chill. She just like, oh, yeah, she just so has like Gen three, Z. just like, I just have like three jobs. That's so cool. Yeah. So she, yeah. she shifts, all shifts. So, um... Yeah, she'll come. She'll be free. She's she's uh, amazing. Yeah, she's always available. And obviously, we've split the live show into two halves. So this Thursday, you will hear Em and I singing a song. And I'm, it was really bad. Just teaser, spoiler alert. <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> it was really bad. It was, really it was bad. so it was so long. Long. So long. So long. We should have practiced. Like it. when we planned it, we should have practiced it. We didn't when we planned it. We planned it. We didn't practice. No. Or we practiced like little bits. We didn't put it all. To, we didn't do a but, full run through, which we definitely no. should have done. Because if we'd have done a full run through, we'd have been like, "This is horribly long. We need to not do it." <laughs> it's like five and a half minutes. It's not good. It's not good. Oh dear. I was screeching. Oh well. Oh well. It's happened now. You live in. You live in. You learn. You know. I've learned nothing. Well, yeah. I just shorter a song <laughs> next year, or no song. Actually, no song's a good option. Okay, moving on from the live show, I've looked at my list of the week and it's just been an incredibly bad and awkward week. Love that. Awkwardly bad, actually, is probably how I'd describe it. Not like super bad, 
just like okay just some so many awkwards i'm gonna start with one of them um last saturday i went christmas shopping and i was excited to go christmas shopping and i was like i'll wear a cute little outfit because dressing for this stage of pregnancy is a lot so i was trying to look because i just look like i'm in a tent i just look I just look suspicious, if I'm honest, at the moment. Because it's like, it looks like I've got something under my coat, basically. I just look suspicious. I look like I've stolen something. Anyway, um, so I was trying to look nice. And I put on what I thought was a cute little dress with some tights and a shirt. Okay. And, yeah, Love that. all good. Pretty. And um, I put it, I did a little fit check on Instagram, you know, just like where you, you press record and then you just step backwards and you're like, oh, here's my little outfit. And then spin and then go back to the camera. I did that and I got so many DMs asking me where my long top was from because so many people wanted a long top to wear during pregnancy <laughs> with their leggings. I was like, oh my God, no, it's not a long top, it's a dress. <laughs> And then tights. It's an entire so dress. So I spent all day being like, oh my God, my shirt's so... My, my dress my dress is so short. Everyone thinks it's a long top. And you were out, so it was too late. It was way too late. And I couldn't enjoy my day. And I spent all day just like pulling my stupid dress down. And then I made us go home. I was like, I can't do this. I'm so uncomfortable. Oh, and bless like, and you. And as I was out, I just kept getting these DMs through going, where's this long top from? Where's this long top? Calling it a long top. It's a dress. <laughs> I was really upset. I was really upset. So I'm not going to wear that again. Nothing worse than being uncomfortable in your outfit, especially when you get <laughs> um, confirmation, continuous confirmation throughout the day that, that you should be uncomfortable in your outfit. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it was. I, it was confirmed to me that I. Because you say it to your husband, you know, you get like, oh, do I look? Do I look again? No, you look great. You look so nice. No, it's lovely. Blah, blah, blah. And then it's just like. Well, you're clearly lying. <laughs> I have multiple sources here that say you're lying. The thing lying. is, it doesn't serve him when you're out and there's nothing you can do. It doesn't serve him to say, actually, <laughs> this is more of a it's long a top than a dress, dress. M. <laughs> sad, sad, sad. Sad times. Sad. So it's one of my awkward. Okay. Come back for a couple more after you've, you've said something. But, well, okay, so I have... I also have two awkwards. Okay. Oh, good. Number one, little one that I just remembered as we were talking, <laughs> and it's about the live show. So just before we went on, you basically where we we were sit, we were sat in these chairs, and then we had these microphones in front of us, and they were really close to our faces. Oh, these microphones, and the sound guy said make sure the microphones are about an inch from your face, right? That is so close, so close to our faces. So close. They were very large and looming and, and there. Anyway, you, obviously, in your condition, <laughs> have a very large bump. And it was very difficult for you to, like, sit down in your chair. Slip into the gap. Maneuver. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not so graceful anymore. Yeah, like, navigate around the microphone. It was difficult. You were worried about it understandably so I was like okay so when we go on stage I'm gonna like help you sit down and make sure you're sitting before <laughs> I sit down 
<laughs> lol and i'm like trying to be all good like come on yeah trying to move the microphone a bit and i'm gonna put it back in its place fine and as you sit down i've got this wire ring that says betty on it and it gets stuck on everything like famously stuck on everything like constantly in my hair on my clothes it's always stuck and it got and you've had this really sleek slicked back ponytail oh. and as you were sitting down something happened and my ring like got completely stuck in your hair and it like brought out a big chunk of your hair and I was like oh my god I feel so it was bad so awkward we didn't acknowledge it because we were a bit nervous yeah. so we just sort of sat down and then all the fucking photos I've just got this massive clump of hair sticking out on one side I'm so sorry so grinned so like that's the most ass thing ever we're like oh god so awkward why didn't we acknowledge it as well we just like, why didn't we acknowledge it, it? Just it's because it. we were nervous. Like, rip half my hair out. <laughs> oh, I'm so oh. sorry. Oh my, my other awkward. Oh my other awkward. Like, it's quite bad. And there's going to be like a visual, a visual for this as well. So, I did a, I made a, I made a reel. Things that shouldn't be, but things that don't belong on your plate this Christmas, right? And it was like. A series of different, thank you very much, is a series of different types of food, like typical Christmas food. And I'd put like letters on them that said like either guilt or shame or like restrictions or like things that shouldn't belong on your plate, right? And then, so I was doing one with the whipped cream, right? I was doing mm-hmm. one with like a hot chocolate and whipped cream and I'd and I'd put like I'd printed out a bit of paper and I'd put guilt on sparkly letters on them and I'd put the guilt on the top of the whipped cream. But I was like, if the whipped cream melts, the whipped cream is going to melt into the chocolate and it's not going to give me enough photo time. So I'm just going to fill a cup with whipped cream. I know, I'm a fraud. So I filled the cup with... Also, Al, it's minus five degrees outside. I don't think the whipped cream's going to melt, but that's something... But into the hot chocolate, you know? I thought like, oh, if it's this hot chocolate in there, it's going to melt. So rather than have hot chocolate in the cup, loads of cream instead. The whole thing, just just cream. cream cream Like a puppuccino. Cream cup, like a puppuccino. So I did that. And then I was like, I think it would look really cool out in the snow. So if I go into the garden and I can take a picture, you know, I can take a video of it in the garden, like over the snow. How cute, how Christmassy. Perfect. Yeah. So I went outside and walk and, and it's the fourth day of snow. It was the fourth day of snow. So the snow has kind of melted. It's quite icy. So I walked, I walked outside, put my shoes on. I actually put Dave's flip-flops on. Like it's the flip-flops that he uses with Betty outside in the garden. Put Dave's flip-flops on. Obviously they're like a size 11. They're far too big for me, a size six. But anyway, put Dave's flip-flops on. I'm a fucking idiot. Walked outside and I had to like walk through the ice to get to proper snow. And when I stepped, literally as soon as I stepped on the ice with these massive, stupid, big sliders big like clown sliders and I first step I took on the ice I flew I I I slid I flew I went flying I did a proper like cartoon like (laughs) slip and you fall on your back and the cup went into the air and then I was full of whipped cream whipped cream over me Oh my god, please tell me you have a rain camera in your back garden. I don't, I don't. Oh, no. I know, it would have been the best thing in the world. And I just turn around, Betty's just staring at me like, 
What did you just do, you fucking idiot? Who are you? Unrescue me. Send me back. Unrescue me. You're a fucking disgrace. She will take any opportunity to be in the garden. She loves the garden. Like, she's obsessed with the garden. But she, like, stood at the door, just looked at me and then turned around and went back inside. And I was like, I don't blame you. Um, Fairfax. How embarrassing. Oh my God, were you on your own? I was completely on my own apart from oh Betty. Oh so, and I, I couldn't even like, I didn't find it funny for ages because I was like, I was really shocked at what had happened. And I was like, I was like, I couldn't laugh. I didn't find it funny. I was like, I could have smashed my teeth with the cup. I could have broken my coccyx. I could have been out there left to get hypothermia because God knows when Dave was going to get home. If I couldn't move. Oh, it took me a while to be able to laugh about it, but I'm I'm there now. I'm, I'm also really sore. Oh I've got bruises. Are you bruised? Yes. No. My horse is like black. So. Oh. There we go. Oh my god! Thank you. That that's my Christmas present. I couldn't be happier with it. I know you love a good falling over. I, I just love a fall. Yeah. Once There's I got over it, I was like, like, I can't wait to tell him this. Something wrong with me. <laughs> Yeah, there is. I just, and you know, I'm going to dine off on that for years. <laughs> like, I just, I just love it. I just, when I'm sad, I just have to close my eyes and just picture somebody falling, even if I've just made it up. It's still funny. <laughs> it's so, so sick. <laughs> I know. And the worst part, the funniest part about that whole thing that you've just told me is the fact that then you were lying there, not being able to find it funny, concerned that you would smash your teeth in. Why is that so much funnier to me? Like, there's something <laughs> actually wrong with me. I remember seeing a little old woman, and this is where it came from. I remember seeing a little old woman fall, fall on Oxford Street when, I know, and and she had a basket full of oranges and they went fucking everywhere. And the adult that I was with laughed for such a long time. (laughs) I think that was my earliest memory of, like, disaster. I was like, it's Oh my God, that's like molded your like side yeah. i don't know it's you're like who yeah. I am. it's it's like it yeah, changed 100%. your brain chemistry yeah there we go yeah i just <laughs> i love it i just love it i can also the good news is i can also laugh at myself at my own misfortunes um but yeah my other bad and awkward last night i did a reading in a church for the eve appeal yeah. it was the eve appeal christmas carols yeah. And I did a reading with my mum. And as you know, I'm really not well at the moment. Like, I'm very sick. So I didn't even know if I was going to make it. Did make it. Pulled myself together. I've been in bed all day. Put my contact lenses in. Went. And as I sat down in church, I was like, something's wrong. (laughs) With my eye. (laughs) With my right eye. And I didn't know if my contact lens had fallen out or if it was in wrong or whatever. But I was literally blind. And I was doing... I was oh, trying no. to read the hymn before me and my mum were doing the reading or the carol. And I was literally, I was like, I can't. Like, it was a little town of Bethlehem. And I was like, I am going off memory here because my eyes are not working. Oh, and I had to get up at a very smart, very busy church to read a reading I did not know off by heart. I'd only, my mum had printed it off for me. I hadn't even done a run through yet. Because my mum kept being like, do you want to do a practice? And I was like, no, it's all right, I'll do it on the night. <laughs> she was like, it is the night. That's one of the dead quote. Anyway, um, but I was like, no, I don't need to practice it. I don't need to practice it. I'll be fine. And then I got up there and I was like, I can't read. And I literally was holding this piece of paper like two centimetres to my face. And I had to say sorry like three times. And my mum was looking at me like, 
Like, oh, what, no. what is happening? Oh, no. I just couldn't read. Oh, no. I just, it was really bad. And I was like, I just, I need to just scoop my own eyeball out. I've been having problems with my contacts all week. It's been a weird one. I don't know if it's, I genuinely think I've got like such dehydration in my body from throwing up so much that my eyeballs are too dry. Anyway. Oh, did um, your mum have to take over? Well, no. She'd already done her bit. She did the first half. I did the second half. And I just had to like say sorry like three times. And then this really nice guy came up to me afterwards and he was like, oh, bless you. You were so nervous. I would be as well. And I was like, I don't want to be a knob, but I really wasn't nervous. I just, <laughs> I just can't blind. see. Oh, God. Oh, um, and I bet it was like a contrast yeah. as well, because I bet your mum's like so good at reading. Oh, she's fucking, she's, obviously she's good yeah. at reading. Smashed it. Smashed it. And then you. Sorry, excuse yeah, for a reader. Me. Oh, sorry. Yeah, literally just kept being like, oh, God, sorry. 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 Oh, God. It's embarrassing. embarrassing. Did anyone film it? No, thank God. Oh, fuck. I sake. know. No, I normally, I would, under normal circumstances, have been disappointed not to have a nice video moment, memory moment of my mum and I. But being this, one, this one like can this die. One, this one, yeah, yeah 100%. We can eradicate this one from everybody's memory. I have another what good and bad. Sorry, okay, everyone, I just went and had a little sick because that's my life now. That is what I was very scared was going to happen in the church last night whilst I was reading about the miracle conception and birth of baby Jesus in the manger. Yeah. Jesus, the Bible is hard to read. I'm just going to say that. And it wasn't just hard to read because I just had a problem with the contact lens. Like, just old English. Anyway, just very confusing. I feel like I could have made it more succinct. Anyway, um... I was scared I was going to be sick in the pews, but what just I just I just went in was sick in the loo there, and orange juice sick went all up the wall. So that was oh, um, that was bad. It was bad. I feel so bad for you. It's so oh my god, it's just so grim, isn't it? Oh, I feel so I bad. I feel for quite you. bad for me. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself this week. Um, yeah, I feel bad moaning about it though. You know, like you're I not keep... moaning. It's not moaning though. It's not moaning. Like this is really bleak. You are so sick. You are allowed to talk about it. It's not moaning. You are allowed to talk about it and tell people what's going on. It's not moaning. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this isn't like normal. I'm. A, I think I'm a bit scared. I don't want to be like all doom and gloom about pregnancy because obviously it's something that you chose and something that you're really lucky to have and whatever. I just didn't know it was going to be like this. And I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have changed anything. Like, I'd still do it again. Do you know what I mean? But, like, it's just... Yeah, I had a massive cry to my mum yesterday. Being like, I just feel like I'm failing. Like, I just... This isn't what I thought pregnancy was going to be like. But, like, it, it's not you being doom and gloom or, like, being ungrateful, like, at all. This is... Like, this is the most magical thing and it's brilliant and it's, like, the best thing ever. And I know that you know that and you feel that as well. But also, at the same time, it can also exist that you're really fucking sick and physically you're not having a good time at all and therefore, like, mentally it's impacting you as well. Like, it doesn't... I know, like, you, I know that we all know that it's going to be an amazing thing at the end of this, but at, this, at the same time, you're... It's not good right now what's happening to you and... I feel and like I think everyone can have sympathy for you for that for sure like it's I know you're not asking for sympathy I know that but I don't think you have to worry about you know thinking that you're moaning or you're being like doom and gloom or that you're being negative about it like god you're allowed to be like you're so sick I'm a bit sick of being sick (laughs) I can't bet like if I have a stomach bug and I am and I have nausea for like even 
for like four hours. It's like the world's ended. Like I can't bear it. Like I can have flu, I can have a fever, I can have anything, but like sickness, any kind of sickness or nausea is so horrible. So like, I can't even imagine this past like however many months. It's been a lot, it's been a lot. See, I don't mind being sick in my own house. I really feel like I've I've got that down. Like it's okay. Like what's just happened there? Like super quick, very efficient, not fucking about, like absolutely fine with that. I can get on with my day. It's fine. But Jesus, mm. you know that selfie I sent you when I went to the hospital the other night and then I sent you a photo yeah. of myself yeah. being sick in a public loo. Did yeah, you that's see that horrible. loo? That Did is you see horrible. it? Because like, I couldn't see the loo from that angle because I sent you lol. I just was te- texting Al from the loo. Um, and it was only when I saw the photo back, I saw how dirty the loo was. And I was like, yeah. oh, oh my God. Like, I honestly, I'm getting yeah. to the point now, like it happened as well, like at the pub on Sunday, I was like, I'm about to lose this roast. And I had to send Georgie to the loo. I was like, can you just go and tell me how clean the loo is? Because I'll, I would sooner go and just do it in a poo bag on the street than go to another yeah. filthy oh. loo. Because it just makes you feel so dirty when you're out to be like on your... Like, it's so undignified. And like, yeah, hospital loos are all right, because they're pretty clean. But like, oh God, some of the places... And obviously you get the looks so when you're good. in like a pub, people think you're too drunk or like, you know, that you might be something that you're not very well. And I'm just like, oh God. So when I'm at home, I don't really mind it. But when I'm yeah. out, I'm like, this is a lot. This is, this is a bullshit. I mean, like going for a wee in a public toilet is not fun. Never yeah. mind going for, for you, a sick. Yeah. 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 It's a lot. That's horrible. I just feel very dirty all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like you just can't get clean. Yeah. Oh. Ew. Ew. Oh well, not long to go. Not long to go. Not long to anyway, go. Anyway, um, do you have anything bad? Anything awkward? Anything we've good? You've got your awkward, you fell. Yeah, I'm, do you know what? No bads, just too awkward. That's good. My, yeah. my third tiny awkward was that the other day Alex thought I was going for a hug, but I was actually just putting my Crocs on. <laughs> and then he said in this really sad voice, he was like, you were putting your Crocs on, weren't you? I was like, yeah. <laughs> my feet it's just even yes, more was. awkward than it's Crocs. Like, not my shoes, my Crocs. My Crocs. I was just <laughs> slipping them on. Like, I was just stepping into them. And he had his arms out uh, like this, like, oh, she's coming in for a hug. It was like, no, no, she's coming in to warm her feet up. She's coming in for a feet hug. Lovely. <laughs> Alex, how embarrassing. Sad, sad, sad. How embarrassing. Um, speaking of Alex, though, um, Alex facilitated this episode for us. As part of his work, he's been working with a group called Detalion, which is an organisation based out of Ukraine that's objective is to share real footage from inside Ukraine with the world's media. And it's been an organisation that has been largely run by women during this time. So at the beginning of the um, Ukrainian war, many women fled to the borders with their children, left their children somewhere safe and then went back to go and sort of work as reporters um, for this group, Detalion. And um, they're still going to this day. They have a huge database of images and um, what they're doing is really, really, really important. And so we decided to do an episode with one of their members. She's called Nadia. After we spoke to Nadia, we then decided... Um, actually, we wanted this to be maybe a little bit of a wider conversation. So, 
we got in touch with a woman called Liza who actually lives with Lizzie Pickering, one of our previous guests. Um, She's from the Grief Equals Love episode. Um, And Liza is living with Lizzie and Liza and her husband left Ukraine uh, just after the war started. And so we wanted to speak to Liza to get an understanding of what the situation was like before leaving and how it felt to leave and yeah it was it was really interesting and and heartbreaking to speak to Liza but also we wanted to give a mention as well to the White Eagle Appeal who we wanted to uh speak to for this podcast but timings just didn't add up but we wanted to talk about them anyway. In truth there was some good news because um there was a guest we were supposed to be speaking to from the White Eagle Club a Ukrainian man called Vlad who had to Mm. cancel the morning of the interview because his wife went into labour so yeah, we thought, you know what? As excuses go, it's, it's a good pretty one. stunning. It's pretty stunning. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah. 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 You can't really beat that. Um, but we did want to talk to them as well because, um, and like spotlight their work because it's been amazing what they've done since February. So they are now the largest community-based humanitarian aid donation and delivery operation in the UK. And it was born out of the White Eagle Club, which is a a Polish community centre in Balham. And now it's grown massively and it's a huge scale operation. And they're dispatching up to five HGVs a day, um, sending out aid to Ukraine. So we will also put the link in the show notes for them as well. So you can check them out as well as Detalian. And also Liza is a musician and we talked to her about her music in the interview and you'll have actually heard Liza's music in the intro that was what was playing as the episode started which is really cool um so yeah it's a it's a it's an episode that we're really proud of and we're excited for you to listen and yeah thanks for being with us Oh, Lisa, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. A very last minute and we've not prepped you or given you any context for anything. Um, but this has been, this is such a lovely connection. Um, Lizzie Pickering, who's a friend of the podcast and a very old family friend of mine, is where you're, she, you are in her house. I did not formulate that sentence properly um but you have been staying with her and you're now in her son's bedroom and it's like the the most recognizable bedroom in the world because cam is an artist specializing in graffiti and i don't know anybody else whose bedroom would look like that but thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to us um and i guess what would be a great place to start if you wouldn't mind is telling us a little bit how you ended up in Lizzie's house and and your story so far that led you to Oxfordshire. Okay, so I, I would say that it's a beautiful chain of coincidences because I started my travel on 25th of February and it feels a bit like I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, always traveling, even when I'm here. And um, so I left Kyiv in 25th of February and then in one month I arrived to London and I made the decision to come to England because my brother, my younger brother, he lives here and uh, in London for the last six years. And so I kind of like know this place, kind of a bit know London. I studied there for songwriting a few years ago. So when we came to the this moment when we should make a decision where to go, 
to leave Ukraine, another country, like where to go. We decided to go to England because it was kind of like a bit, a bit familiar, uh, more than other countries and other cities. And so I arrived to London and I stayed at my brother's and he played in, in punk band called Power Plant and they played together with Cam. So when Lizzie applied for the scheme, Homes for Ukrainians, she asked Cam and Cam asked Theo, my brother, like, do you know any Ukrainians who, who needs a place where to stay? And while this time I was in London looking for a place where to live, I was kind of lost. I didn't have any idea like what to do next, where to go. I tried to find the flat. It's not, it was not so easy there. And yeah, I ended up here. Uh, and it was just like, we didn't know each other before with Lizzie and we just had a WhatsApp call and she was like, yeah, you can come anytime and you can stay. It was, it was weird, but this is the best place to live through this event now for me, because it's so peaceful here. It's all nature. It's so quiet. It's a very beautiful place. And I'm very lucky to be under Lizzie's wings because she takes care I That's really lovely nice. Lizzie. We just love her so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, I love her. I, I know why. <laughs> She's amazing. And so wh- where is the rest of... So your brother's in London. Yeah. Um, but where is the rest of your family then? Uh, my family still in Ukraine. They decided not to leave. Okay. They decided to stay closer to their parents. So my grandparents, my parents are there. And they keep going, uh, running some business, some stuff, you know, like it's, it's incredible actually how people, they continue to live their life there. Was it an, an automatic decision for you that you had to leave? Yeah, I, I had kind of feeling that I would be more helpful if I could continue doing my things, for example, like making music and so on. But first of all, yeah, it was a decision of saving my mental health too, because it's like when you're living for so long under constant like idea of danger you know it's like blimming like light in your head all the time like danger danger is like so i decided to leave and um it's sometimes you know it's feeling like ah oh, do i regret should i come back should i stay here um because it's kind of a bit hard not to lost connection because I, I definitely kind of lost connection with what's going on there because I'm not there and it's so mm. different. The moment I arrived to London was so weird to see like the world is different because I just arrived from the place where everyone was like under one sphere of emotions and feelings, you know, it was so weird like to arrive to another place and now to live in the world knowing that there is different worlds exist, you know, in the same time. And this is amazing because it it helps you to stay sane and to believe in the future and, you know, to see all of these beautiful people around who cares and the world is beautiful. So, I mean, like, I always constantly think about my family who stayed in Ukraine, but I, I'm trying not think about it too much because it's like, I can't do anything about it. Um, I can't help. And it's so fearful. And this this is what breaks my heart when I'm trying to learn how to live with this. Are you comfortable talking about um, about leaving Ukraine? I think that 
every time when I'm talking about it, I feel different. I mean, even yesterday, I watched animation movie House. It's beautiful, beautiful animation movie. And it was about home somehow. Definitely this kind of things, they trigger my trigger me and you know like oh it's home because I should left my home we decided to left the home me and my husband on the on the second day of the war we woke up and we were like okay we, sh we should leave because we we didn't know what will going on it's constant uncertainty and fear and after the first day when the war started and when we heard the siren for the first time I can say I've I never been that scared before in my life. I've never felt that kind of thing of like animal fear of death because it's like, and you don't know like from where, from where should it come? Will it come now or a minute later? You don't know. And so the next day we decided to leave Kyiv because it was fear in the air that if Russian army will go further they they want to take Kyiv so it was dangerous to stay there we packed our things a night before we just had it in our head like what if we should leave let's let's pack something it was surreal too because first of all you have your bag with all of your stuff like clothing and it was during the winter so we should take like warm clothing but then you have to have another backpack with stuff like paper, napkins, your first ad kit, passport, all the documents with the telephone numbers of your family and your type of blood written on the paper in your passport in the case like if something will happen to you so they can find out like yeah, I don't know your who to connect with or your blood type. So it's like you should have your backpack with all of this stuff will what will help you to survive for a few days so even some food trousers socks another little bag with yeah as i said all of the documents some money and the most important things because you have to be aware of that maybe you ha you will have to drop your stuff you know it's like and you have to be the lightest version of yourself as possible so it was weird well i, I mean it, it wasn't weird it was just i've I don't know how to compare this feeling with something else. So we packed our stuff and we decided to go. I was crying. It was it was very hard. I was touching walls of my in my flat and I talked to my flowers and I didn't want to leave. Mm. I didn't want to left all of these little things because they kind of represented me, my life. I really loved the place. And you know, all of this stuff from travels and like family pictures and books and so many things that, that you think that they matter to you. But I uh, I took one bedding with me from home, um, just in case we don't know where we will sleep and you know, to have something from home. We, we, we jumped into the car and our car was in a parking in the house where we live. It's very high building and during this air raid alarms, uh, people they use these parkings as a like shelters. So we just went into the parking, jumped into the car, and people around. There was it was so crowded this place, and people they were just looking at us like, "Where are you going?" And we were like, "We're just leaving, just leaving." 
and we went out of the house and decided to go uh, further from Kiev to another city to meet my parents. They were in Zaporizhia, in a different city, when the war started. And the morning we decided to go, they decided to leave the city too. And to go to the closest to the Romania or Moldova or Hungarian borders, you know, to the safe part of Ukraine, kind of safe. So then we, 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 leave, we left the Kyiv and we stayed in, I, I stayed in kind of 14 different bedrooms until I arrived here. So, you know, it was like constant change of places. Wow, 14 different bedrooms, that's crazy. <laughs> it was a lot, it was a lot. But I would say that I always meet uh, nice people around who helps. For example, when, decided, when we decided to leave, we didn't know where to go. We decided to go to Chernivtsi and there was a man, who, the friend of my father, who helped us to find a place where to live for the next few weeks or a few months because it was very hard to find something to rent because people, they were just running like from one part of Ukraine to another and they were just impossible to rent something. Prices were very high and so many people, they were just looking for where to live. So did you did you stop renting your flat in in Kiev? Did you or or do you? It was it was it was it was mine. So and uh, the flat is still there. And luckily, sometimes we have a chance to ask someone to uh, yeah. water yeah. flowers and to feed uh, yeah. fish <laughs> because there is oh. there is fish in the flat. Yeah. So, and yeah, and the other very hard thing was when I decided to leave the country. The, the closest airport was in Romania. So I woke up in the morning, took my bag, jumped into the car, all my family, they took me to borders. You just have to cross the border and you know that, you know, like it's, it's your country and there is a war, there is the border and there is no war. You know, it's 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 crazy, and yeah. you see it. It's it's just like it's it's not even a wall. You know, it's it's just like one hundred meters from you. This this was crazy. Yeah, very heartbreaking to be honest. And did you you crossed the border with your parents? Yeah. Did they or did because they you said that they're still there. Um, but did they leave with you, or are they still in Zaporizhia now? No, they they still live in Zaporizhia. They get back because there is a house, there is a home, so they just, you know, helped me. To... So they took you to the border and then went back again? Yeah. Oh, that must have been really tough to say goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you don't know where you will see them again. And also, I mean, like, it's so big, this feeling, and it's so deep, and it's so, it's hard. I mean, like, it's heavy. So I feel like sometimes that I still, I, I, I still process a lot of things. So I, I didn't even realize that deep what were going on as I understand it now. Like, it was insane. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told 
about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. So it's kind of like you help yourself with trying not to think about it sometimes. Yeah, it's a lot to process and a lot to take in. And I guess it's still an uncertain situation with, I mean, you not knowing, I guess, I imagine when you're going to go back or if you're going to go back. And that must be quite difficult to like, you know, day to day to live with the uncertainty. I, I mean, like when I when I talk to my friends who stayed there, they are living their lives, for example, in Kiev, in, in theatres, there are sold out in uh, some concerts, you know, people, uh, so many beautiful people. So they are kind of live every day of their life because they don't know what will happen next. And yeah, there is no electricity after 10 o'clock or something like that. I mean, like it's dark city at night. So definitely there is no like night clubbing or stuff, but I mean, like people, they still living and they maybe understood how important it is to live every minute of your life but it, it, it's what you have after this kind of experience when someone when one morning you are like wow from this moment of my life anytime it, it, it can just be over <laughs> and it's it's it, it can be depressing so people they make they start new projects so many Ukrainian music is going on now because people, they want to say what they feel, what they think. They want to sing in Ukrainian, which is like the huge uh, empowerment, I would say, of Ukrainian language, of you, like super Ukrainian culture now. People are gathering and they making movies, they launching, they are launching brands of clothing with some Ukrainian symbols, they sell it and with this money they help to army or they help to some other volunteer organizations and so on. So crazy things are going on. Lots of love, a lots of life that close to this fear and it's it's very fright frightful there. It's super dangerous, but people are so strong now. They are so strong there. It's just incredible. It makes me it makes me cry when I think about it. How how brave they are just living their life there. This is amazing, very inspiring. Just you're talking there about like how Ukrainian art and music and language is becoming so important as a kind of unifying act of solidarity among the Ukrainian people. And that's something that you're doing now um in the uk yeah. and that's with your performance uh it would be really great to hear about that and the significance and the importance of why you're doing what you're doing through your art at the moment thank you very much for this question uh so before the war started uh we were n we nearly finished an album me and alex we work on music together we planned to release an album of very kind of like life, love, sex and magic R&B songs and it was very cool. <laughs> but the war started and it was 
100% irrelevant to the time and to our feelings, what, what we would like to say about it. So we, we took our equipment with us, microphone, computers, some guitars, and we were making music all the way through since we left the home. And we released one EP uh, with Ukrainian songs and some old songs. Now it's a completely different thing. This is amazing that I have this option and I have this beautiful opportunity and I'm here in a safe place um, so I can tell about what's going on in my life through my perspective and through my vision of Ukrainian culture too. Because, for example, yesterday I sang a few Christmas songs on the Christmas market in Chipinaton. And so I decided to make a few very Ukrainian things. And to be honest, it wasn't the part of my family tradition because I am from industrial part of Ukraine, which is not very about Ukrainian super folk things. It's uh, in, in, yeah, industrial post-Soviet heritage and it's not about flutes and Ukrainian Carpathian mountains. So I felt that making this Ukrainian folk songs, it, it was very interesting, but it was a bit like not really my thing because there are so many beautiful folk artists who can represent this part of Ukrainian culture and they just dedicate their life to this folk thing. But I, I feel it in my own way from this other part of Ukraine. So this performance on which I work on now, it's about 10 songs about what's going on. I mean, like it's, it's about fear, it's about love, it's about pride. And between the songs, there are gonna be spoken words, visual art, poetry, and some storytelling. It's kind of like my diary. I've, I am very lucky, again, to be here with Lizzie because she introduced me to so many of her friends and she tells me a lot about English culture. So she, she kind of introduced me to what's going on around because it's different every time. Anyway, I feel like the culture is different, you know, and this is amazing. So I can see this diversity and I can learn so much from the place where I am and put it into the music. So yeah, I learn a lot. <laughs> it's all in progress. Nice. And this is a very big question, um, but what do you hope for for the future? I would say that now future is more like a day-to-day thing, and which is amazing because living in the moment, in, in present time, just gives me so much of this time, actually. But in the future, yeah, I think I, think I answered you. <laughs> I mean, like globally, yes, sure, I'd love to see the world in peace and, I mean, in, in the future, actually, yeah, it's, it's like our, all of us, our prayer every day and every minute to stop this horror as soon as possible. So th this would be the, the greatest scenario, but I mean, like, who knows when it will happen. But I just think about this 
Ukrainian army who makes it possible to live our day-to-day -day life now. It's, it's, they are real heroes and I, I wish the best future for them and to stay safe and to get back home to their families and this, this all should stop as soon as possible, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Lisa. Nadia, thank you so much for joining us today. We have, well, we're meeting for the first time today, but you've been in communication with my husband. You've been working together a little bit over the last few months. Um, and we're really honoured that you could come and talk to us today about yourself, your situation, and the really important work that you're doing. We've introduced you already prior to recording this um, and already told our listeners quite how impressive you are as a lawyer. Um, but we would love it if you wouldn't mind, in your own words, introducing us to who you are, uh, what your life was like before you left Ukraine, and what you do now. Hello, Em and Alex, and, and look, it's been it's been a really, really awesome, you know, and before the Christmas, especially awesome, you know, because uh, uh, I think we all are looking for some kind of miracles before the Christmas, and we are looking for some kind of magic. And, uh, and you know, and for different people, the, the, the magic could look differently. So I'm very happy, you know, to, to add my kind of uh, a little bit of magic to those who will be listening to us. So, um, <laughs> my name is Nadia Bilous. I'm Ukrainian. I am, uh, uh, I'm very proud Ukrainian, to be honest. And I think the many people, uh, before, uh, who were representing themselves as Ukrainians spreading around the world were not as proud as we are today. I think this is something that is definitely changing, you know, within us. Um, so I am an international lawyer. I've always been in the legal profession. I was doing legal executive uh, roles for the big international companies. Uh, I am a public affairs executive. I was heading a big department. I was board member for the Fortune 500 company back in Ukraine. Uh, I was managing 12 countries from Ukraine, managing their the legal, uh, external affairs, public affairs, public policy, security. So my, my whole life was very busy with my professional life. But on top, uh, uh, I am, uh, I was a very how to say, active uh, member of my social network, social life. So in, in two words, my life was beautiful in Kiev. I was, uh, I was in Kiev. Kiev is a beautiful city to be with the wonderful architecture. It's a very old, ancient city, uh, but also with the great food, with the great social events. So I was always interested in fashion, in business, in psychology, in theaters, in, you know, arts. And, and uh, the city was giving me all of that. So, so if to cut, you know, the long story into the very quick one. So the, the beautiful life we had, had to stop at some point of time. And I think this is, this is something that we have to move on since uh, February. And you, you're not in Kiev anymore. You're, you're, are you currently in Spain or are you in the UK? 
I am currently in Spain, yeah. Can you tell us what happened then? Why you, I mean, why you left Kiev and why you're in Spain now? Yeah, uh, well, my story is a little bit different, I guess, to the to the many other people who left the country after the after the war. I left just before. I didn't know. It's not because I had uh, super insights or anything. So my story is simple. I left for the you know one week uh, of holidays to Spain. And that's um, and that's the story. So I came with the you know sports shoes and uh, and a few track pants um, to Spain, and I did not return back home. So I learned about uh, the whole thing started when I was um, here in Spain. But my whole family, as you can imagine, um, is back in Ukraine. So. Uh, I don't even know if this is better or worse, to be honest. It cannot be judged. What I've learned um, over the last period of my life, you know, that I was very judgmental before that. I uh, I used to jump into conclusions based on what people say, what people think. Uh, because I'm a lawyer, I am learned to make judgments, you know, on different occasions. I stopped doing that very very honestly, because uh, looking at the person, the person, the way person looks or the pay, the way person, I don't know, talks, you have no idea what's there behind. You have no idea what the person just learned or what, what just happened to her, him or their family, what they have just been through, you know. And uh, this all changing very much the perception of your life and the values. The values are being reviewed. So you're in Spain still. It's now December. You came in February. Yeah. How is your, how are you living? Like how, what what does your life look like now? It must just be, I mean, you must be kind of settling into some kind of routine and normal or no, or not maybe. (laughs) Look, I, um, Okay, it's a it's a new strange life in a new strange world. Okay, it's a very um, strange understanding of home, and uh, the definition of home has changed. The definition because my home will always be where my family is. This is the this is the thing. It is most importantly that kids are suffering a lot because they don't get what they used to. They don't get their friends, they don't get their natural atmosphere. Uh, We love winter, we are skiers, we love, we don't have winter here, we don't have snow here. My kids are asking for snow, we are not sure that we will see snow, you know. They want to go back to Ukraine. And it, you know, I think this is something that may sound very strange, but um, I meet many people and they tell me, you know, you must be lucky. You are not in Ukraine now. You're sitting, you know, in Spain. You're talking, you know, about your new life. You must be lucky. And this is yes and no. I can be, you know, very honest because I think that you you are talking honestly with your guests. And I think we can open up hearts here. And I think this is very strange, you know, because I never wanted to move out of my country. I never was dreaming to, you know, to start new life somewhere. I was very happy where I was. 
And it might sound very strange because you're now in Spain. So, you you know, Spain is much more developed and it's a long standing democracy. Well, you know, you were born, I was born in the Soviet Union. So by that time, the Spain was flourishing or other European countries. But I think Ukraine uh, has been so many times now on the first pages of newspapers. But in the end of the day, we don't understand what Ukraine was about and the way we passed. And I was happy to be the part of the way because Ukraine is a very progressive Eastern European country. I can tell you now after living, you know, uh, about eight months in the EU country and on many occasions, you know, it was, it was very nice. Uh, it was very nice life. So uh, to start all over again, it's tough to start all over again in profession is very tough in my profession is tougher than than anything else because lawyers are usually local driven people we are trained to within the legal systems of the particular environments but look what choice do we have we have the choice to move on we have the choice to keep up we have the choice to stay brave open up I have not been this flexible in my life. I can tell you this. I was very picky. I was, uh, in terms of the job I would like to do, in terms of the people I would like to speak. And I am extremely flexible. My life has been turned around, but it opened from the different perspectives to me. And uh, and I think, and I'm thankful for, for what I have. Thankfulness is another thing that came to me very recently. You know, being thankful is another big achievement. Being thankful is another big, big talent that we usually uh, not ignore, but we usually don't dedicate enough time to, you know? Yeah, and I mean, like you said, you know, like on one hand, yes, lucky, but on another hand, so unlucky. You know, you've had to leave your home and leave your country. And for, it's been 10 months now, that you have uprooted your lives and your homes. Like that's very, very difficult. Yeah, that must be just extremely hard, especially with, uh, you know, children as well. That's really, really difficult. Can we ask you what the current status of life is on the ground in Ukraine now and how you are keeping in contact with everyone that is still there? Is it quite difficult or has it been okay? No, it's very difficult. In Ukraine, it's um, mm. it's very difficult. I think uh, I don't even have my social networks here in Spain. I, you know, I recognized uh, just recently that I don't follow anyone here because it's as if your body is physically here, but your mind uh, is not here. I am still, you know, the uh, quite active uh, person in my social networks, but it's all connected with Ukraine only. I don't even post anything about Spain because it's just simply the physical being, not the mental um, being. So U- Ukraine, I believe, requires lots and lots of support, ongoing and unstoppable. And it just seems from the first side that because it's not... You know, the world championship is there. The other problems are there. The other, you know, developments. The life is going on like it should be. But it doesn't mean that life back there is back to normal. It's, it's far, far from being normal. 
uh, on Monday, uh, about 70 rockets have been flowing to uh, to Ukraine. About 60 of them have been uh, hit by uh, by our uh, you know anti-rocket system. But still, there were some severe um, challenges and some of the rockets fall into the critical infrastructure. The people are without electricity. I have not seen my dad for a year now, almost a year. Uh, and I cannot even talk to him at times, you know, uh, because he doesn't have network or um, or connection or both. Mm, so I just sit and wait. And this is, um, that's why I'm, I'm there, <laughs> you know, I don't know how to explain this. It seems that it's all peachy and flowery around it. Why, why bother? Enjoy life, go for a walk, uh, have some air. And I keep talking to me exactly the same words, but mentally it's very difficult to split your life into here, here and now and to there because, because you are there. Uh, so no, you, Ukrainian life is, uh, I think the, the Ukrainians are the bravest people I've ever, I've ever met. And, uh, I wasn't sure that if we talked, uh, January last year, uh, or this year, I would say exactly the same because Ukrainians are different, like everybody. I mean, there are different people with different views. We are a big, uh, we are big nations. We are about 40 million people. We are different. But I think the way we are united now into helping each other and from here, from from Spain, we are, you know, uh, packing gifts, for example, for kids in the uh, who left without care, for example, and sending sweets and something. Every little helps. There are no little things anymore. Something that you would think, oh, come on, I would just send, you know, 10 bucks or 10 pounds to them and uh it's it's oh ho ho it's now oh ho 10 pounds can make a difference speaking of the work that you're doing and the support that you are able to provide from different places to ukraine it would be great to talk to you about detalion and how you are involved with it something we love about it is that it's it's female led which is just remarkable it's kind of a different way of fighting in a way I guess we've never really seen anything like that before and so as as well as hearing about Italian it would be amazing to hear why feminism you think might be important at a time like this in in Ukraine my goodness you know it's it's changed so much recently you know we've always been talking in Ukraine about the women empowerment I have honestly I have been creating you know the women uh not clubs, but learning centers, hubs, you know, and learning my girls and teaching my girls in legal profession, etc. But then it became obvious that, you know, men were busy with the other stuff. What can we do as women? And I think uh, beyond taking care of the families, beyond taking care of uh, kids, beyond sheltering, you know, we all, we now keep saying, if you shelter one kid, you already are doing a super great job. Because, uh, because the other thing that women keep thinking that we are not doing enough, you know, that we, we can do more. We are here, we are in a warm place, wherever we are, we are still in a warmer place that majority of the men out there. So what can we do more? What can we, you know, share more? That's how the talent uh, was created. And the talent was created by wonderful girls, ladies, 
uh, who were in the previous lives, you know, were the top officials and the uh, top managers of the big international companies, but they sat together and uh, thought, okay, there was no enough uh, photos and videos from the places at the very first days of wars. Not all international um, informational companies were there at the very beginning because, yeah, the embassies were not there. Embassies were calling their people to leave Ukraine in about three, four weeks before the war because of the different alert systems they had in the embassies. So you would not have there anyone at the very beginning. So I think a few days after the beginning of war, Girls sat down and said, okay, what do we have? What do we have? Do we have somebody on the ground? Do we have Ukrainian photographers, reporters? Who is there? Let's capture what we have. And I think that's a fantastic idea on capturing this bank of memories, because what we don't want is after the war, the memory to be erased or forgotten or missed. And this chronography of war, which is happening due to, you know, the photos and videos and the footage um, keeping and now working with uh, the witnesses, the girls and boys who are talking about what they've been surviving through and talking with you on the camera is a super important, is a super important bit. So I joined the project in May and I'm doing the advocacy, meaning that we are trying to talk to the think tanks of this world, to the most influential people who are deciding on the future of the world, actually, and the Europe, who are designing their speeches in order to help um, Ukraine to survive and keep on, understanding that Ukraine is fighting not only for, her, for herself, for the country, but it's actually the gate to the at least European security architecture system, you know. And this is why we are thinking that spreading the truth and we have it captured together, this truth for every day. If you go on our site, you will see that every day is kept in the separate folders. So you can see what was happening throughout the whole every day of war. And we are sitting now, what, 42 weeks of war. Um, yeah. And beside that, you know, the uh, women that are talking, one of our founders is currently in London. She is, uh, uh, she is talking on all of the possible forums, we, female forums, you know, women gatherings, asking for support, not only to the Talion, because the Talion needs a support helping out our volunteers who are working with them, who are working with us free of charge, but they need to survive. But also talking about the wider audience of we female, of women who are on the top of their careers, who are on decision-making chairs. And all Ukrainians really need is uh, accepting us and standing with us and supporting us in cultural support, in jobs, in education, in educating our kids and helping our, our kids you know, finding their place in the new system because they were not prepared to. They were never discussed in the family that, you know, from the year 2022, you will now be in system A, in grammar school in uh, London or in boarding school and somewhere. They were thrown away from their beautiful garden and put into different garden and they need to put the roots there. And that takes time and support. 
it's a huge, 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 like life shift. It's yeah. I wondered if you could possibly explain to us what the women on the front line are doing in Ukraine, you know, in terms of like bringing children back to safety across the borders um, and capturing the visual information as well. Um, could you explain a bit about what those women are doing? Uh, so different, differently, differently now and uh, from the, and the first days of war, of course, because in the very beginning you had to take care of yourself and your kids, yeah, and to save them from the bombs. Then what I particularly learned that you are also taking care of your families because uh, taking care of your teams if you're in charge of the team. So what do you do if you cannot talk? You know, I could not talk for a week. I, I honestly could not talk. You know, the words literally could not come out of your mouth. You know, you kind of try to do words, but the sound doesn't go away. And it's a very kind of strange feeling. I was always managing very big teams and suddenly, you know, I could not talk. And And my learning from that was, you know, that it is okay. It is okay not to be okay. That's okay if you're not okay. It's okay to talk to your kids that you're not okay, you know? Because I think that uh, this visual effect of women who are always know what to do, we always have to know what to do. We always know how to support others. We always know how to support our kids. But there are times when we don't. You know, and I think at the front line, what happened from the beginning, we all tried to save us and our children, first of all, put them to the safer places. But then lots of businesses are coming back, lots of uh, are coming back under these severe circumstances with no electricity, you know, with uh, blackouts. The, you would be surprised to see my favorite restaurants in Kiev are opened on, under the candles. I have no idea how they prepare food. Majority of these restaurants are women-led. Yeah, they are back. They are doing your croissants. I have no idea how they do it, you know, but they do it for you to be able to come and to have that croissant in the candle whilst, you know, it's it's a totally black city. So I think the strength is is something that we can nurture and and develop uh, with the time. I that guess does, like, it, I'm, from what we've seen of um, the media coverage of the war and from what you're describing. Although the men are still physically fighting and off, um, fi- yeah, of, the men of fighting age are fighting the war. There are so many women as always happens in conflict holding up the everything else you know the family life the home life every bit of stability that you can it, it has it felt sort of like that division um for you is it felt that clear cut really have you felt very like um connected with the women i suppose you know they always talk about like the, the band of brothers for men who fight together have you felt that with the women that you've worked with in this time yeah yeah, very much, very much. And it, it, and it feels like, you know, we've always kind of, you always, you know, been standing with each other, you know? But here is like you're not standing with each other, but you're like 
hugging each other. And you know, you're standing like shoulder by shoulder, not to fall. And it feels like if you move a few inches to the right or to the left, that you will fall or somebody will fall and you cannot allow that. You know, you better be keeping up. And uh, and it's not only in, in Ukraine. I have to be very honest that I am, you know, as talking to you, I am talking as our founders of the Talion, they are talking in the massive amount of, uh, you know, women, mostly women outside of uh, Ukraine. Mm, and I found, uh, I found it, surprising to me two things one is how much the world is open is much more open than we always thought than i always thought is much more open people are opening up their houses you guys are opening up your houses you know accepting totally uh, unknown people as part of your families isn't it something amazing that has never happened in the world before like accepting people to live with you in one house, with the programs, with the kids, joining your kids for the parties you have never seen before, you know. But the other thing is, uh, is able to help in the longer term with education, for example, with work, with scholarships, etc., etc., with helping out the Italian and keeping us surviving, because for volunteers, it's it's tough to survive, you know. Yeah, I can't imagine what you've been through and continue to go through. Um, and I don't know if you have, you know, we'd love to hear a story of someone who is still living there. You know, maybe one of your family members that are still there and and, and for us to f- fully understand how life has been impacted and just how they're coping i suppose now uh well the whole the uh, majority of the talent team is uh, there on the ground they are majority uh, girls and ladies and uh, um, our communication team is there they are doing uh, for example at the moment we are talking with the new witnesses we are doing videos with them f- uh, doing footage with them and we are doing this within the very small period of periods of time when electricity is on. Yeah, so now you have not the only agree time which is suitable to you two, this has to be time which is suitable between the graphs of the shutting down the electricity between the place you live and between the place I live, so that we find this 30 minutes and we better be good looking because we probably would be freezing before that and having, you know, two jackets on. So, um, that we finally have a quick cup of tea or coffee and and quickly talking. And that's how the work looks now. What is the situation like with electricity there now then? How often are they actually able to access electricity? Well, in Kiev, it's uh, it's tough because in Kiev, the electricity, they are coming back, they are renovating what they can. Of course, they are working days and nights on renovating. Uh, but one period of time, I think the mayor announced about a week ago that about 60% of electricity uh, cables were damaged. So the, the work, sufficient work, uh, outstanding work needed to be done for Kiev to, to get back to light. So it was one major blackout for the 38, 36 hours in Kiev, in some instances, in some instances a little bit less. 
depends on the building, depends on the side of the Dnieper River. But it was very tough. I could not get to my family. We could not get to our Italian family members because Italian is a family. It's kind of family, you know. <laughs> yeah, for for about 38 to 40 hours. Um, it was pretty scary. I think it's depending, you know, on Monday we had another head uh, that was near Kiev. So that uh, damaged another line, but but people are working to restore it. So at this point of time, I'm not, I don't know, you know, percentage wise, but it's a big percentage, about 600,000 people on Monday were without electricity in Kiev. Mm. Do you Do you have any sense of when you might be able to step foot back in Ukraine at all? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, the two most difficult questions to me are uh, where are you based and when are you going back? Sorry. You know, <laughs> no, that's uh, that's fine. But that's okay to ask. I'm just saying, you know, that this these are really, really tough. How to say? I, I cannot project. I'm not, uh, even though I've been very much involved with this security before and uh, I was having pretty good insights from the different embassies and how they are building their security alerts around Ukraine. Um, I would I would say that I would hope that by spring this should be finalized, okay? Mm-hmm. Because Ukraine already started to think about the recovery. If And uh, in London, every other day there is a forum dedicated to recovery of ukraine rebuilding efficient structure reinvesting etc etc and this is exactly what should be done i am i'm big fan i'm ukrainian i had number number of occasions to stay out of the country i was studying in the states working abroad etc i could leave wherever but i always chose to stay in ukraine and it was my you know conscious choice as many many other people who are you know, willing on their skis. Uh, if there is a click, you know, we go back. Um, I would hope, yeah, that that by spring something sufficient happens and uh, we're all happy to be back. My personal, I, I'm not pretending to be super brave. I'm not pretending to be super, you know, straightforward. I would be very honest. I hate to see my kids under uh, bombs and... Uh, grabbing them and going to the shelters because I think that the mental state of our kids is super important because these are the guys who will rebuild Ukraine and they need to be mentally uh, stable and psychologically stable. But I respect every decision of every person who decided to stay or to leave. As I said, you know, the judgments are here left far, far behind this is why you can never say what's the better choice the better choice is one that you made for your child and that's it period can i ask about how your kids are doing mentally and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to because obviously it's really personal but like you say it's an incredibly traumatizing thing for them however this had played out if they'd have stayed they'd have been in danger and obviously that as a mother is just unthinkable but then you you did have to uproot their whole lives are they are they okay are they aware of what's going on to an extent and can you talk about it on an emotional level of course of course my kids are are pretty um how to say they are, my older daughter is 17 so she is very well aware 
she's part of the fundraising dinner, she is part of the meetings, uh, she is in boarding school in the UK and she was there for a number of years, so it's not because of war she went there, but because of war she cannot return home and her returning home was always kind of holiday when you're in a boarding school and you're returning home where a majority of your friends uh, still are, yeah, because she was growing on in uh, in Kiev up to 15 years old, so her social life is all there apart from the school and she is suffering a lot without uh, not having a possibility to go we uh, one of the reason i cannot go to kiev i would be very honest because i promised her that we will go together and i cannot go without her i cannot break that promise and at the moment i'm not ready to bring her um you know to kiev that's why i cannot go because we we have a deal uh, but she asks every time. Yesterday we talked and uh, she's coming for holidays now, for vacations to Spain. And she is uh, not happy. She is not happy. She is happy she will be safe, but she is not happy because that's not. She says, I don't feel this is home. I don't feel I have my fair tree for her. But uh, but it's not real because there is no snow and uh, and she's going to have uh, you know no no snow New Year and that's for her uh, very strange because in Ukraine we always go to Carpathians uh, on the New Year that's our family tradition for many 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 years with uh, the whole family is gathered in one spot and we will not be there you know nor my sister will not be there etc so it's it's a tough. It's a tough uh, period. My younger boy is 11 and uh, it's difficult, very difficult for him, <laughs> very difficult for him, um, both from the friends uh, point of view. He misses friends, but he also misses the atmosphere. I don't know how to explain this. You could be in the best school in the world but your conscious decision or unconscious decision is super important how you enter this, the best school in the world, you know? And because he feels that it's kind of not his decision, but it, but he kind of was made to go, it drives him crazy. We keep talking about this, you know, we keep discussing this. And he says, and, and after the first occasion, he's very well supported, etc. But, if we have a possibility, can we please go back? And uh, of course, we talk about it. They take care because they they still people kids are much more connected, and they discuss it openly. And uh, he cares. But the the class of fifteen people uh, where he was studying in the school, they are all over the world, from Singapore, Canada, U.S., uh, you know, Europe, Ukraine spread there is not a single person left in the same class the whole class of 15 people were spread all over tough really difficult for everyone listening today how can they help people on the ground in ukraine what is the best possible course of action to be able to directly help people in ukraine at the moment okay i would state two or three major major points you are very open and, and embracing. Please keep up on being open and embracing. Uh, you have lots of people, boys and girls, women, men sometimes who are doing their job and trying to do their job best. 
inside Ukraine and outside of Ukraine. If you happen to stand by, uh, invite, you know, these uh, women and, uh, and kids to your uh, assemblies, associations, give them a little bit a hand, a word, a speaking opportunity, a listening to them opportunity. This is very, very important. If you're of the top uh, managers' positions roles or owners of business, usually uh, we are well-educated, well-learned, uh, experienced, language-speaking um, people. Give us jobs. Give us the possibility to work and help out our country. We are submitting some financial help to Ukraine by finding new sources of income. This is really, really tough. This is something that is very important in keeping up. Lots of women outside on different schemes are looking for jobs, are having issues with finding relevant jobs and therefore, uh, you know, issues with uh, finding Ukrainian family back home. And uh, please uh, keep up with the Talion. It please help us to survive. Please help us not, not to survive. Survive is a big word, but keep help us doing what we are doing. I think this is super important what the Talion is doing. This is super important on keeping up, informing people of what is really happening on the ground. And, you know, we cannot, we are not competing with information agencies. We keep our work done every single day. If everything happens, if you go on the Talion Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram, any other Twitters, etc., you would see that we keep up, you know, spreading the truth. And this is our tool by fighting disinformation and manipulation of information that is happening all around us. Fake news are like new, new normal almost, you know. So the more truth is there, the less room for untruth is there. So we will we will share a link, uh, and if you are happy to to help us uh, financially for our volunteers to keep doing the work, please do so. This is very relevant. So with helping Italian, is the best thing that we can do or listeners can do is donate financially. Is there anything else that people can do to get involved to help? Yeah, please talk, please share us, please uh, talk to us, please send us the request if you need information. We are very open. We are free aggregated database, very open. If you need, if you're writing an article, or if you, you're doing a movie or you're thinking about the book, or if you're looking for people from whom you would like to hear the, the story. So you need the inspirational speakers for your um, schools or, you know, universities, um, talk to us. The Talion has it all. We'll happily share with you, you know, all we have. We will leave the link to the Talion, uh, the website and socials, both in the show notes and we'll share them on the Should I Delete That Instagram page as well, of course. Super. I think that is, that is, uh, that is awesome. But on top, but on top of that, keep standing with us. You know, I think this is super important. And uh, this discussion that we are having today, it seems like another discussion in the role of your guests, but it's not the same. You know, your specific interest and engagement with the people like me, which represents, I am the one drop in the big ocean of 40 million people 
but that every drop is super important. There are no more left small things. Every small is now turning a huge help to the big country who is standing and fighting. So thank you. Should I delete that as part of the ACAST Creator Network? 